Welcome to the whole Zulu March show. Welcome to the Holes of Emarch Show. Today I'm talking to... Short turn to the introduce Well, um, the book... Welcome to the Holes of Emarch Show. Today I'm talking to... Short turn. Introduce yourself. And today you're talking about your book. That's right, yes. Um, what can you tell me about your book? Well, um, the book, I basically started writing it, um, <coughs> just about a year ago, when I was having a little conversation with an American friend about other lake monsters and sea monsters that we had here upon Nessie, and he just really wasn't buying it at all. And, uh, kind of discounted it. So I just started searching around, and, um, that same year, in March and April here in the River Thames, we'd had some kind of sea monster sighting at the Thames, the River Thames monster she came to be known afterwards. Three filmed sightings, three separate sightings, over the course of, uh, of a couple of weeks. Uh, so, you know, that was very interesting to me. I was on the water between the, the uh, first and second sighting. Uh, I didn't see anything, but that's just my life. Um, I've also had a, a Nessie near Miss too, unfortunately. And, um, yeah, so I just started finding these stories and writing them up and making a little blog. I thought, why don't I do a book? Because nobody really concentrates on British cryptids on, on, on the whole. I started looking for other things, you know, like the British Bigfoot, the big cats, and out-of-place animals as well, you know, things like crocodiles and whatnot. Um, even stories of unidentified flying cryptids like pterosaurs or the owlman. I know John dances extensively. And uh, I just kept finding more and more and more material. And actually, I think the book ended up being about 270 pages, but I whittled it down to about 400 that I had. Uh, just trying to make it readable. You know, it's uh, just masses and masses of information and sightings, which is kind of boring, really, isn't it? So there's some theory in there. Uh, there's lots of sightings as well. Uh, and some ideas about the scene itself and uh, and the differences between cryptozoology here and in the United States because of course it's quite a thing there and it's almost there's some something of a financial market over there and we don't really have that you know people like me and you we're interested parties we don't make any money do we so um, yeah it was a nice place to come from because you could look at it honestly instead of writing about stuff that I thought would sell books because I didn't think I was <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, that, that, that's, yeah I think here it's more of a subculture isn't it uh, yeah. more than, and I think I like it that way because we find we, we're more concentrated on finding truths more than half truths yeah that's right because you know you don't have to sell to an audience in a sense because you don't have one I mean, you don't have a sizable one anyway that would influence your um, your, your your tagline, you know. Uh, so when I'm writing some of the sub- subjects I was writing about, I think my opinion, opinion's quite unpopular on certain things. But 
opinion that nobody's ever going to pay for this opinion. Therefore, I'll write what I want. And a few more people have started taking note of it now in, in the press as well. I think I've done my 15th or 16th interview now in four weeks. And um, but because I started in that mode, I've stuck to it. I like it. You know, I've got a job. I work. I can just focus on on writing what I want or what I, I think I, I'm finding out. Um, you know, as well as I know, there's no real experts in this field, you know. Uh, a lot of it is subjective, and I, uh, I do try to step outside of that, but in the book, in the introduction at least, in some other places, I've written about, you know, the, um, the implausibility, the fallacy of actually believing that you're subject when you're... Self-research, like finding out information about for your book, like sources and things like that. I do. I mean, I do try to look at lots and lots of different resources, if possible, unless, um, if possible, unless it's, there's no other way around it. I try not to use other people's research, and by that I mean. I try to find a different idea, not for the sake of it. If the idea that's presented is, is really, truly the one, then I'm, you know, I'll, I'll that and try to incorporate it into what I'm writing. But I, I have tried to avoid the, um, paraphrasing a lot of people. And I, somebody I, I did read a lot of people was Roland Watson. I really like his research on, um, on Loch Ness Monster. You know, he's got a real passion for it. He really delves into it very deeply. Obviously, I read a lot of Carl's books as well, which you can't beat cryptozoology without owning at least three or four of Carl's titles, right? Uh, Richard Freeman, which spoke a lot, and I, I, I do like his opinions on these things, as well as John. Um, one of the people I was very influenced by when I first started, because I was more of a late monster, sea monster guy in the beginning, was Paul Harrison. I don't know if you like, uh, know his book, Sea Serpents and Lake Monsters of the British Isles. And it's just a compendium of, you know, uh, England, Wales, Scotland, Ireland. And the sighting that happened there oh, for maybe a hundred or so years, and it's just put them in a very matter-of-fact, witness-style fashion, you know, and an occasional bit of opinion in it, but not too much. And it's a wonderful, you know, it's a really wonderful view of just how frequent sightings are around the UK or how widespread they are as well. Which for me is great because, you know, you've got to Loch Ness, everybody's camped out there 84 years, they've got all their, that's a big money-making thing up there, isn't it? they've got all their sceptic experts as well as, you know, uh, believers, if you will, if you want to put it that way, uh, camped out around the place. And then that attaches to Loch Oich and Loch, Loch Hina, there's not really Loch Oich and Loch Rocky looking around. You know, or they have some Loch Morrow investigations, but it's limited. You've got 31,460 locks at Lochens in Scotland. 
near all these inlets into the sea, and these sea locks, don't be something mm. looking mm. around. Makes sense to me that, you know, there's been lots of sightings all around the place, and yet we're all fixed on that one place, and when we can't look outside of it, and I think it's like a big giant wild goose chasing there. It's a big distraction. Is it? Um, I think you saw a British big, big foot, like America obsessed about the Bigfoot I like Bigfoot they, they take it too far sometimes they, 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 they yeah. I think it's a cultural thing Mark you know where we're less outspoken as a culture even in the different areas of the country you know, north and south and the different ways that people are going I'm from Wales originally and from an Irish and English family and you know, growing up in Wales people talk Finally, once it's done. Huh. Um, 
I think there's an inline to that. So that the, the previous one they've just done, the directors, Matt Ralston and Brad Abrams, uh, it's called Love and Sources, about a guy um, who was like regularly abducted. He's uh, an artist since he was a child, and, and he was painted out all of his um, experiences with these creatures you know, over, I don't know, 20 years or something. Uh, it's very interesting, observational. This one, cryptozoologist, it's just going to be about the people themselves who, um, like me and you, who, who dedicate their lives to this kind of thing. And who are they and what do they do? So, and it's a nice, it's a serious look, and it's a respectful look as well, which is nice for once, because you know, we're not used to that kind of portrayal normally, are we? I think, I, think, um, I think what will come across is the British quirkiness for it. Yeah, I mean, there's America, there's Australia, going to Australia, they're coming here, um, and I'm Escaped near Wales, 
and it survived until yeah. it got shot. I mean, obviously that proves that a big cat... I know they're not a big, big cat, but they are classified as a big cat, can live in, a, in, in our countryside and survive and not be seen. I mean, big, big cats and sightings, they're so numerous as well, Mark. I mean, it just, it was mad. I mean, I know this is official, but for me, it's like a foregone conclusion. I don't even question whether they are or not anymore. It's just a regular sighting. Uh, I, I was given a sighting recently reported in Rustburg, my six. And the lady's a horse breather. And she went to a local farm to get her uh, concern and hay for the horse. It's a bit late at night, time at night, with a friend. She pulled up, they put the hay on the, on the truck. And then they, um, you know, she was coming back, the headlights were on full, she saw, and she said it was a, a cat up to a waist in height, black cat, round ears, big green eyes, um, about four foot long, size of a great dink, three foot long tail, male. She saw it that clearly, she could see it was male, and it licked its nose, like sauntering towards them very slowly over the course of a few minutes. And it wandered off into a bush, and she was shocked. She contacted me and said, oh, I found your website, and I had no idea there were these big cats here in this country. And for me, that kind of sighting from somebody who's used to dealing with big animals like horses, I would assume that she's, she's able to make a good assessment of size. Yeah. She looked very much very big You can't really call that. That's not a, a mistaken identity of some big moggy, is it? You know, it's... Yeah. I mean, a lot of people do see things, but we're too frightened to say it. I think, like, yeah. like the moors, there must be something that lives up there. Like, I agree with John's theory that about the big cats being released years ago, when they were, were you allowed to have wild animals in your home. Yeah. And I don't think it's just wild cats out there. I think there's lots of other wild animals roaming around. Because years ago, when yeah. I used to live in Essex, they released all the minks for the fur coat trade. Yes. Of course, they're all wild up there yeah. now. Yeah, that's a lot of make around. Um, I mean, the boar is a sign of it, you know, this secret deer. And there's, um, there's a section in the book called, um, what is called Out of Place Animals, which covers the big cats and some other things that in ones and twos, like crocodiles and um, uh, pythons and things that might have got escaped. But another section is called Beasts in Our Backyard, which are about animals that have started to thrive here, like the wallabies, you know, and, um, and other things like that. Or the, the classic examples that we don't think of about, like the Canada goose and um, uh, the grey squirrel. <coughs> or the hitching crab, even that we've had for years and years, but they're not, they're not local, so to speak. Well, another classic so, example is the parakeet. The ringneck parakeet. Yeah. Because yeah, I used to have one, sorry. so... Yeah, so they used to live in Kent. Yeah, there's there's well there's whole um, flocks of them in Kent. Oh, well, the Surrey too. There's thousands. Of them. I mean, we see them all the time around here. Um, when I first got here, I didn't until I did Surrey. I didn't realise that they were around. And they were, I saw them in a tree um, outside my flat window, and the guys downstairs. They had birds, you know, caged birds. I thought they'd escaped. I went and knocked their door and I told them, your parents have escaped. <laughs> and um, they didn't want to talk clearly, but um, they were those ringed you know, parakeets. Very funny, but they were um, yeah, a bit noisy. Right, so, um, right, let's stop this for a second. What is oh. the name of the book? The name of my book is Beasts of Britain, and it's, um, it's available on Amazon.
thank you for this conversation. I hope that um, we'll talk again one day about other things. I hope you enjoy your day. Yeah, yeah. That was um, an interview with Andy McGough of Beast of Britain fame. Please look him up. Thank you.